Welcome to episode 185 of the MCU Fan Show. My name is Sean Gerber. Make sure you're following us at MCU Fan Show on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you are enjoying the show on Apple Podcasts, we would appreciate a rating and review. This week will be our spoiler review for episode two of Marvel Studios' WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. The operative word, once again, being spoiler which I think you know because you press play on the episode already, but in the event that it just played automatically and you are not caught up on WandaVision, please pause the episode right now. Do not proceed any further until you are caught up or you just don't mind being spoiled. Uh, but with fair warning having been given, Paul, uh, I am joined, of course, by Paul Herman. How you doing, Paul? Hi. Very, very well. Thank you. Yeah, I already knew that because we literally just recorded the episode before this. But yes, <laughs> um, we did. But here we are talking about episode two. So in the if you haven't heard the episode one review, although I think you probably have if you're listening to this one, we already shared some of our overall thoughts just in from a broad perspective of what we thought of these two episodes. So for this review of episode two, we're just going to get right into it and start talking about uh, this this episode of WandaVision. And it begins with an opening that goes before our theme, our new theme song as well as, uh, of course, our new opening credit sequence. And there's a lot of good stuff in there, by the way. Uh, but we have a, a cold open first where there's a loud noise. Vision is scared. Wanda and Vision are both startled by this noise. And Vision is looking outside. Doesn't seem like there's anything that's going on. But we have a conversation about suspicious characters in the neighborhood. And Wanda's worried that they are the suspicious characters in the neighborhood, Wanda and Vision. Um, but maybe the suspicious characters that people have been spotting around town, is it S.W.O.R.D., who we're going to see later on in the episode? Uh, we don't know. But we talked a lot in our episode one review about so many things being for the children, a phrase we are going to hear over and over and over again in this episode. But we talked about Agnes, played by Catherine Hahn, showing up and talking to Wanda about seduction techniques and really driving toward this idea of Wanda and Vision having kids well, it really helps if you bring the beds together, as Wanda does when th there's a startled reaction, the beds slide together, and then Wanda turns it into one bed, which is a television transition as well to go from 1950s Dick Van Dyke to more 1960s Bewitched, where they actually could show husbands and wives actually sleeping in the same bed, as they often do. So Vision says, get the light, and it's baby-making time for Wanda and Vision, which brings us to, or actually before I get into the theme song, Paul, um, you know, you talked in the episode one review, some of the classic sitcom stuff worked for you, some of it didn't. How did this opening work for you? Yeah, this opening was, I, I was I was more prepared for it, for one, because of the previous episode. And so I kind of expected it to be a little more, um, just the more of the same, if you will. I did like the the bewitched kind of aspect a lot. Um, I thought that was pretty cute, to be quite honest. And uh, so maybe that kind of maybe already a little bit more like, oh, okay, let's do this. Okay, you know, whatever. Um, but it, it, I was more prepared for this episode, and I was just, and I, even though it definitely ended on a better note the first episode than initially at first. But then, um, so I was a little more prepared and just knew we we're going to get more of the same. So it didn't bother me, but I was just kind of biding my time at this point. Cause I'm like, okay, I'm just sitting here. I'm just taking everything in. Obviously the noise at the beginning is, uh, is there's more to it than what's going on. I kind of, you know, read into that. And so, but yeah, there was, it was, it, it was, it started getting a little more interesting right off the bat, in my opinion, because the fact that, you know, Wanda, you know, brings her beds together and all that stuff. And so there's, yeah, it was, it, it just kind of, it felt like it, things were kind of moving a little bit quicker. It felt like just everything, the pounding on the outside, it just felt like there, it's it just more of what I was expecting off, uh, off the bat. So yeah, I definitely liked this a little bit more you know, initially. Yeah, I really liked this scene. I had already seen it because it was one of the clips that they played publicly during talk shows and stuff like uh, Jimmy Kimmel appearances and stuff like that. But I, although I think I don't think they played all of it. We've got a longer version of the scene, but I thought it was really good. And, and I think it's doing what I was impressed by so much and talked about in the spoiler review for episode one. Just the way they are balancing and it's 
it's even more than balance. I mean, the way they are multitasking in this show, that they are doing these classic sitcom tropes, that they're doing some of this physical comedy, the scaredy cat vision comedy and stuff like that. And, you know, the the cheap puns, like, are you using your night vision vision, uh, which Elizabeth Olsen sells very well. And so you get all of that, but we are moving things forward. And, and it's an emotional setup for Wanda with what she's going to talk about later in the show, that when Vision's talking about suspicious characters, Wanda immediately projects that on herself and on Vision, like, oh, we are. We're the suspicious characters. We're the ones who don't fit in. And we we explore in this episode just how badly Wanda wants to fit in. And, and so it's it really is emotional as we're going through just this classic sitcom comedy. And then we are advancing the narrative. This scene, like so many other scenes in these first two episodes, is for the children. But uh, before we go any further, we will talk about the uh, the opening credits for this and the, the opening theme song, again, from Robert Lopez and Kristen Anderson Lopez. And it's very bewitched in the design, the animation style. A shout out to Andy Park, who was on our show recently, episode 183, Marvel Studios uh, Visual Development Director Andy Park. He did the design, not the animation, but the design for these animated versions of Wanda and Vision, which uh, we is available in t-shirt form, and I'm sure plenty of other WandaVision merch that is sure to be on the way before too long, but there's a lot of Easter eggs in this, uh, and, and I'm sure that this stuff, Paul, I don't know if you... Uh, I, I can't take credit for spotting it. Other people who are more eagle-eyed than, than I was were able to spot some of these things. Um, some of these things I was able to see, like signs in the grocery store, but not as many things as uh, as one thing that... It's a blink and you'll miss it thing, but uh, Grim Reaper's helmet is in this opening. Yeah, when, I heard. I, when I Wanda, heard about that. Yeah, you have to. I don't. Whoever spotted this originally, if they're listening to this podcast, good for you. I don't know sure. how, but I only knew to spot it because I started looking for it, and and I already knew what it was going to look like before I saw it because somebody had already shared the screenshot. But Vision floats out of bed goes to the bathroom to shower, get ready for work, and then he goes downstairs in the way that Vision can go downstairs. He just phases through the floor. So as he's going through the floors, from the second floor to the first, in between the floors is where you see the Grim Reaper helmet. That's amazing <laughs> for whoever mm. spotted it. Um, but that's not. But who is that? Who is the Grim Reaper? We're going to talk more about that. We'll save that for the end of the show because it's not just Grim Reaper. Uh, there's also some signs of Grim Reaper's brother being in this. But I mentioned the grocery store signs when we see Wanda, and I think that's supposed to be uh, Geraldine in, in the opening of that. But we see Wanda in the grocery store. There are uh, there are signs behind her. And the signs behind her, one of them is for Bova Milk. Bova is a walking, talking cow created by the high uh, evolutionary who actually delivered. She was the nurse or midwife, so to speak, who delivered Wanda and and Pietro in Marvel comic books. There's also Auntie A's, which is kitty litter that lasts. Well, we have Agnes in this show, Auntie A, Agatha Harkness, potentially. And there's also a some sort of wonder cereal. You can't see the whole second word after wonder, um, but it, maybe it's wonder oats or something like that. Not sure. Could be a reference to uh, Wonder Man. Some people identified a statue next to the lamp in the living room at the very end of these opening titles that might be the Wizard, uh, which has Scarlet Witch and Vision connections. But we'll talk about Grim Reaper. We'll talk about Wonder Man as we get toward uh, the end of the show. But besides the Easter eggs, and some of these Easter eggs may carry some story significance, some of them may just be there for fun. We don't totally know what's what. But what I like about this opening title is it sells the paranoia like all eyes on us nature of this series. Wanda and Vision are being watched and they're being watched in so many different ways. They're being watched by S.W.O.R.D., which they may or may not totally know right now. And they're being watched by their neighbors, by the inhabitants of this reality. Because even as they're singing the song, like the the WandaVision, WandaVision, they're all looking. And this ends with all the neighbors looking in the window at Wanda and Vision uh, which is really selling, again, that idea of, of things being out of place and Wanda wanting to fit in, but she's having to do all of this under the watchful eye of literally everyone there and plenty of other people and other people watching that she doesn't quite know about. 
yeah, a lot of those things, man, those are great, great Easter eggs. And, and I love them because they are deep and I don't, I don't think they're going to go more than that, to be honest, because adding the Grim Reaper and Wonder Man, that is, that's a lot. And there's no way they're going to do that in this, this series, but I think those are cool callbacks, especially the fact that the Grim Reaper, well, uh, there's a stronger clue that Wonder Man might be in this series because in the featurette that Marvel studios released, on the morning of January fifteenth, yeah. Wonder Man is there, like in concept art that's you can see in the background behind head writer Jack Schaefer, um, that looks more like a finished version of of Wonder Man. So they designed Wonder Man for something. Doesn't reveal the size of the role, but it seems like we might get him in this series at some point. It would be interesting. I, yeah, I just I I don't know this this series specifically. It just seems. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I, again, if they if they could somehow manage to put Wonder Man in this, I mean, I guess my point is that he's not going to be that integral of a character because of that of that yeah. reason of it just there's be too much going on with yeah. the whole Mephisto thing. But the Grim Reaper thing is cool, just because uh, it's almost a callback and Easter egg to the uh, Vision series yep. where uh, Vision uh, or Grim Reaper is buried in the backyard of the Vision's uh, yeah. house, killed by uh, Vision's uh, wife Viv, who is not yes. in this uh in this series but um yeah we might as well go ahead and talk about it now since we are talking about it we won't save it to the end so who are these characters well grim reaper is eric williams who is the brother of simon williams simon williams is wonder man but simon williams is not just wonder man simon williams is also like isn't it his brain patterns that were put that are imprinted on vision in the comic books yeah so that's you know vision kind of is simon williams sort of in marvel comics it's like a brother yeah well and and it makes him a brother sort of in essence of Eric Williams of Grim Reaper exactly. as well. Yes. And that part of the origin seems unlikely. We know where Vision came from. Vision, there's no Simon Williams that was there uh, to factor into Vision really, um, unless they're going to go back to like, uh, you know, the original Human Torch that was kind of in Captain America First Avenger at the World's Fair, although that would be kind of a reach to do that. I don't... I, I they could I don't know there could be a weird way to wedge Simon Williams into the origin of the MCU's vision. They but could. That, that, he's a, he's an actor, right? So maybe yeah. Jarvis is based off of a role that Simon Williams played. No, because Jarvis is based off of Jarvis, you know, off of the real life Jarvis. So, um, oh, it's true. I think, yeah, and, and they acknowledge that Jarvis yeah. in the MCU proper. That's not just Agent Carter anymore. That Jarvis is in Endgame. So that's true. That's true. Um, I, I don't know that they're going to wedge Simon Williams into Vision's origin because that just seems unnecessary. We already know that Vision is part Jar- uh, part Jarvis, part Ultron, part Mind Stone, um, in in some ways part Tony Stark because Tony Stark designed Jarvis, uh, but it's also I guess there's a potential, though. I mean, what if Simon Williams is how Vision is back, sort of, right? I mean, maybe. He's an actor, yeah. and we're in a sitcom reality. Ooh. Oh, okay. Yeah, there, okay, fine. There's. I've, I've talked myself into it. There's a way for that to happen. Yes. Um, I don't know if that's what's going to happen or not. Um, I, I do think that Wonder Man is going to ultimately prove to be more than an Easter egg, and that makes me think that Grim Reaper would also be more than an Easter egg. Um, there's just a lot of things potentially going on there. I... It's too hard to tell because we only have we have very limited information in general in the series so far, but even more limited when we're talking about these things that for right now are Easter eggs that I think are probably going to turn into uh, into into something more. But when we uh, shift out of this bewitched animated opening and we get Vision and Wanda rehearsing for the talent show, the fundraiser for the children, um, we are. I love that the names Illusion and Glamour were chosen for Vision and Wanda as their stage names because this is an Easter egg that points to a comic book we read for WandaVision and ended up recommending on this show, uh, We and we talked about it on our Marvel Unlimited book club on the Patreon, is there was the 1980 series, The Vision and the Scarlet Witch, where they had friends who were a couple of magicians who were named illusion and glamour that's Uh, right so that's where these names came from in this but uh the coolest thing about it is the cabinet of mysteries which has the mind stone plastered right there uh i I don't think you can miss that one so the mind stone is there on the cabinet of mysteries and because what is the mind stone if not a cabinet of mysteries in the mcu how does it work this has been something 
that both Wanda and Vision have been wondering about for as long as we've seen them in the MCU. Wanda, the mystery of how exactly it gave her her powers, or perhaps rather unlocked her powers, uh, as we've been speculating about previously, but then Vision as well. In Civil War, he said he wanted to understand it. You know, he wanted to understand the nature of this thing so in hopes that he might be able to uh, control it. And he was able to figure out enough about it to know that Wanda would be able to destroy the Mind Stone to, to hopefully stop Thanos. That didn't work out in Avengers Infinity War. But there's still plenty of mystery, plenty of unanswered questions about the Mind Stone and the nature of it and the nature of the powers that it either gave to or unlocked slash enhanced in Wanda. So calling having the Cabinet of Mysteries is just this, you know, the big set piece, you know, the grand finale of the magic show for Wanda and Vision um, or illusion for Vision, glamour for uh, for Wanda and having the Mind Stone on it was such a cool touch. And and we know that we're going to see the Mind Stone again somehow in this trailer because we or in this show because we've seen in the spots, we've seen like Wanda staring up at the Mind Stone in some form of this reality or whatever it is. Uh, but it's great to see, you know, the 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 in-story heads up that the Mind Stone is, is still in play here and still worth wondering about and thinking about uh, while, while it's sitting right there on the Cabinet of Mysteries. Yeah, that was... Um... Yeah, that I didn't. I totally missed the glamour and uh, that whole reference. I was like, "Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that." Um, yeah, this was again. This was more. I felt like this was more uh, in line again. What I what I liked about and what I anticipated. It, it was driving. The, the narrative was driving. Wanda was front and center, and it was it was the two of them together, and it felt like things were moving. It felt like things were. There again, the smart kind of aspect that I knew and was anticipating for the series, we were getting at this point, and I was really enjoying it. What we were getting much more than the last episode. Yeah, no, this sequence was great, and then we get to more of the emotional stakes for this right now. Is Vision is talking about, um, you know, Wanda? You're not at all worried that the audience might just see through this little charade or charade, depending on your pronunciation. Uh, of course. Vision goes with the British version, so it's probably better. But anyway, uh, Wanda just says, you know, that the, this is part of the point, right? Is she wants the audience to see that there's no magic here. She wants the audience to see that this is a trick. Um, because if the audience has any worry that there might be actual magic taking place, then that's going to get in the way of what Wanda really wants. As Wanda says, this is our home now. I want us to fit in. And She's very serious when she says it and a little emotional when she says it, not crying or anything, but the emotion is very real as, as she's saying. It's very genuine. She really wants this. And anytime we know what a character wants, we got to think about why they want that. Well, Wanda wants to fit in here because she never fit in anywhere else. We go back to Maria Hill's description of the twins talking about Pietro and Wanda. He's fast and she's weird. And so... That's something where Wanda never really fit in anywhere. And even as even within the Avengers, she was starting to fit in and started to be part of the team. But then what happened in Lagos happened. And so then that created the Avengers being, or at least certainly Tony, being suspicious of her. So she's never really felt like she's fit in. She's never really been able to feel completely comfortable or at home, or at least she hasn't been able to for a very long time. And so if the real world, which has given her so much trauma, grief, and loss... If that's not a place where she's fit in, then this place that is her safe space, that is the safe environment for her that she is escaping into, this has to be a place where she can fit in. Because if she's not able to fit in in a reality where she has either all of or at least a lot of control, if she can't fit in here, she's not going to be able to fit in anywhere. And that's why she wants it so badly uh, in this episode. And of course, as... Uh, Vision says at the end, Wanda and Vision, Westview fitter inners, that it's going to happen. They are going to be able to to fit in uh, in this new home. But it's important to show how badly Wanda wants that because it sets up uh, the choice that she very clearly makes at the end of this episode. Yeah, there's not – I don't have much to add to this one um, other than I, I agree with you. that It's good – just great uh, acting by Elizabeth Olsen, and she really knocks it out of the park here. 
Um, and I'm not sure if this is where we get the uh, pink helicopter. When does that come? Yeah, in? that's right after this. So Vision okay, leaves and, and Wanda's just kind of straightening up the house. And then uh, we hear another loud crash like we heard at the beginning of this uh, at the beginning of this episode. And so Wanda goes outside to investigate and she sees this helicopter, which is not black and white. It's red with yellow trim. It has a sword logo on it. Not that she knows what that is just yet, but we see this helicopter. And the way that happened, it reminded me of, because there's been a lot of Truman Show comparisons and there have been since the trailers. And and obviously, right, they're in a, a sitcom world that somebody is watching from the outside. Very, very Truman Show. But there's also a little bit of, uh, kind of reminded me of Pleasantville a little bit in the way that color comes into the story. If you, For anybody who remembers the Pleasantville film from like 1998 starring Tobey Maguire and Reese Witherspoon, so it was another thing. It was a sitcom sort of reality. But when color started coming through in the black and white setting, it was actually after people were having sexual awakenings. And so Wanda and Vision uh, start trying to make a baby at the beginning of this episode. And all of a sudden we have color, although it's not the first time we did have the red light in the Toastmate 2000 ad. But anyway, and that's not really what color is supposed to, I think, represent in this. Color is supposed to represent a break in, uh, breaks or shifts in the reality and Wanda sees this helicopter, doesn't know what it is, but we did see a helicopter flying up against some sort of red virtual barrier. And I wonder if we might actually get to see this when we see that helicopter, that it will be a flashback of witnessing this scene from the other side. The helicopter mm. crashes into the reality. It turns into a toy. And uh, so presumably whoever was aboard that helicopter is toast. Um, no pun intended for the ad from the first episode, but uh, yeah, we see Wanda being confused by this, but I think she's also threatened by this because whatever this is, it doesn't fit with the rest of this reality that she's wanting to fit in with right now. Yeah, I read it as um, obviously w w what you're saying. And it was like, OK, what does this mean? The, I immediately saw the sword logo. But then what I thought was th the pink made me think is this high evolutionary mm -hmm. and because of Agnes um, and and Wanda does have some high evolutionary ties, unfortunately, with the uh, recently um, with her retcon of being not being a mutant anymore, which I think that'll be retconned back hopefully soon. Um, but no, he does he does have a, um, some kind of history with her. I forgot exactly what he's done just even before uh, the uh, uh, the retcon a couple of years ago. But that's immediately what I thought was like, what does this mean? Is, is the high evolutionary behind this? I wonder if there is something kind of a tie to that because a pink helicopter doesn't really make sense. And it's such a hot pink. It, it, I immediately went to him. So that was very interesting. And I, I love this aspect of it. I love Again, the, the more the uh, surreal kind of idea, the, the color kind of uh, coming into play was really, really interesting. Yeah, I, I thought it was really fascinating. And speaking of the high evolutionary, I mean, we do have a guy named Herb in the series played by David Payton, which Herbert Wyndham is the high evolutionary. So we do have plenty of uh, plenty of valid reasons to to speculate about the high evolutionary playing a role. And. We, we talked about Bova. Bova was created by the High Evolutionary. So there are some clues here that we actually may see some Scarlet Witch and Vision deep cuts as the series, go, as the series goes on. And if you're going to tell a nine episode series about Wanda Maximoff and Vision, yeah, you might as well take a few. You might as well have some deep cuts. And it looks like uh, this the High Evolutionary might be one of them. I don't necessarily know, though, if that means the High Evolutionary is affiliated with S.W.O.R.D. I, I think... Sword has an interesting role in this because I, I think it's not really we know they're watching from the end of the first episode doesn't mean they're making this happen. They might just be seeing this as a threat because it seems like Sword is trying to investigate. Uh, but we'll talk about that more as, uh, as we go on. Another very key thing here, though, is who brings who snaps Wanda out of it and gets her back to thinking about this sitcom reality. It's Agnes. Look, it's the star of the show. And Wanda is the star of the show. Agnes knows that Wanda is the star of the show. But, oh, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about this bunny, Senior Scratchy. Um, and Catherine Hahn gets a very Catherine Hahn moment here as Agnes, where she checks out the mailman Dennis's butt, um, as, you know, <laughs> which I just thought was funny. Um, 
it's also the way that Agnes reshifts Wanda's focus. So as Wanda, whom I think Agnes probably knows, Wanda wants to Wanda's desperate to fit in. I, I don't think that even though Wanda hasn't spoken or Agnes hasn't spoken with Wanda about that, I think Agnes gets it. And so Agnes kind of lays out for Wanda the stakes of this meeting with this planning committee for the fundraiser and the person in charge of that, which is Dottie. Whatever Wanda was thinking about, whatever she was suspicious about with this helicopter, that moves out of her mind because Agnes is giving Wanda something to focus on. But Agnes also brings up kids. Dottie is the key to everything in this town, Agnes says. And she talks about country clubs and all this other stuff. But then she also mentions school admissions. And Wanda is like telling her to basically pump the brakes on that. But it's another hint of Agnes pointing to Wanda and Vision having kids. Dottie is the key to everything in this town. So is Dottie really the key to everything in this town? Or is that just what Agnes wants Wanda to think so that Wanda is distracted? Although there's a chance that Dottie actually really is the key to this town or one of the keys of the town. Uh, But speaking of Dottie... Really outstanding performance by Emma Caulfield Ford as Dottie. She is so good in this episode. I mean, she is the the classic neighborhood bully amongst the housewives. She is that. She's the one in control, and she's the one putting everybody else down and always being condescending, putting everybody in their place to make sure everybody knows that Dottie is the one who is in charge within this social circle. But... When we get to this meeting of this planning committee and Dottie takes a shot at Bev for not knowing where the chairs came from, the devil's in the details, Bev. And then Agnes says to Wanda, that's not the only place he is. We already touched on this in the in our spoiler review for episode one. But when we talk about the devil and we talk about Marvel, we start to think Mephisto. I still think it's unclear whether or not Mephisto is actually going to be in this series or maybe... I feel like some version of Mephisto is in play here. And it maybe I don't know if that means we're actually going to get the character named Mephisto or somebody else is playing that role. Or even if it is Mephisto, does that mean Mephisto is like literally the devil of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Or is it going to be a more figurative sort of thing that I don't think we totally know yet? But it's it's a pretty strong clue to acknowledge the idea of the existence of the devil and, and the and he also exists in, in other places besides the details. Yeah, I, I think that I think Mephisto is not going to be the the he might be he's some he's might be involved in some way, but it's not going to be a, a full reveal. It's going to be like, oh, there's you know, like Ag- Agnes is going to say something at the very end after they figure out what's going on because obviously the main purpose of the show is to is Wanda in this. Um, in this world or whatever that she's surrounded in, that's going to be, you know, whatever is causing her to, to be like this. I don't think it's Mephisto, but don't forget there is the multiverse of madness coming out. And I mm-hmm. think Mephisto could play if that they could be leading and you could see Agnes at the very end say, you know, there is something that's greater than us that, you know, that is a threat to you. That is a threat to Dr. Strange. And I think that to me, you know, that to me is what uh, you could lead into. That makes more sense to me because you play into that horror aspect a lot more with, you know, someone like Sam Raimi doing Doctor Strange 2 than this Disney Plus show about, you know, a sitcom. Again, I just don't think it's going to be full on. You might get, again, you might get a name drop, or not name drop, but you might get a hint of that there's something else out there look lurking for her and for any, you know, these sorcerers, there's a threat out there and that he could be lurking. So that is more possible, I think, than him actually showing up at some point. True. Or could show up, but again, only like Thanos showing up at, in the mid credits scene in the first Avengers sure. movie, like you yeah, see th- him, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. we're not telling that story here. So yeah. I don't know whether or not Mephisto is going to show up. Agnes might be Mephisto for all I know, or the MCU's version of it. I really don't know what they're going to do with this, which I love about that. I don't, it's episode two of nine. I don't want to be able to figure this out just yet. So I I just love being able to examine these questions and we'll see where it goes from here. But we get the first meeting between Wanda and Geraldine, who we recognize as Tiana Paris, who we know is Monica Rambeau in this series. 
She compliments Wanda's pants and then Wanda talks about the makes a remark about the other girls being in skirts. But that, of course, is really more of acknowledging this. It's Wanda feeling like she doesn't fit in because she's the only one wearing pants here. But this is also part of the sitcom transition of 50s to 60s is we see characters wearing pants. So like or see women wearing pants uh, in on television, in sitcoms. And we get this whole thing of all of this is for the children. And we get this chant for the children. And this is really important. Every time somebody says for the children, it's always followed by this chant for the children. And that tells me like the talent show, this fundraiser and whatever, the the way this is doing, this is a ritual and it's being disguised as a sitcom event, but this is a witchcraft ritualistic sort of thing that's going on here. Um, in this sequence. And is this to make sure that Wanda and Vision sleeping together at the beginning of this episode to make sure it, it take it takes hold and, and resorts in uh, a pregnancy? Is that that seems to be that's what this is like, because the pregnancy doesn't happen unless we go through this ritual with the chanting. Um, but then we get another key thing here where Geraldine says, I actually don't know what I'm doing here. And when Wanda introduces herself, Geraldine doesn't immediately answer back with her name. She says, I'm uh, Geraldine. And she comes up with the name. It's a made up name. We know that she is Monica. And that's very different than any other character in this. And we know because we saw it in the trailer. We don't know how Monica got here, but we know she is going to get thrown out of here. We saw that happen in the trailers it would suggest that if she is an outsider, she doesn't, she genuinely doesn't know what she's doing here. Or maybe she forgot what she was doing here when she finally arrived in this reality somehow and has even forgotten her name or knows that she has to make up a name because maybe she remembers enough of, I may, maybe I don't know exactly what I'm doing here, but I also know I'm not supposed to be doing here. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be undercover in some way. Um, but I like that little hint that even something with uh, Geraldine is amiss. And we know, actually, that she's here to investigate, uh, or at least it would seem that way based on uh, a response that she gives later on in the uh, later on in the episode. Yeah, to me, this was an indication of that it's not just a reality or I mean, we knew that from the, the trailers, but it definitely seemed when she showed up, I was like, OK, there's something more either. Sword is doing this, which I didn't doesn't really make sense given the first episode. But like her appearance and knowing her affiliation with Sword made me go, okay, what? It, it made it more interesting to be quite honest because you're like, okay, I know immediately that this character is not exactly um, pro or against Wanda and Vision, but is just is investigating, like you said. So it immediately ramped up. Uh, for my interest because knowing the character and everything like that. So it was interesting to have her placement, especially in the, in that scene specifically um, in Agnes. And here's the thing is Agnes know she's, in, you know, what's going on is, is she know that person's, you know, I'm assuming she does, but maybe she doesn't. I don't know how much does she know? Cause she, I'm not sure if they had any interaction in that episode or not. So um, that to me is interesting where, how exactly, you know, what exactly is, how is she able to get in there? Well, we get in that also, but, um, yeah. you know, just, it was just, it, it kind of ramped it up to me. It wasn't just like, Oh, okay. It's like, okay, are they doing this to protect her or is this? It, yeah. It just was, it's just inter interesting. She, she brought a new aspect to it, which I really liked. Yeah. Well, and I, I think Monica or Geraldine, as she names herself in this reality, she, we don't really see her interacting with other characters in this episode. We see her interact with Wanda and Vision, and she's she ends up on stage in front of everybody, so people see her. They know she's there, but she is keeping a low profile. Like, when Wanda claps, she's not supposed to, because um, it's not the appropriate time. We clap at the appropriate time, as Dottie says, but... She says, like, oh, I would have clapped, but I was too afraid to move. And and that you could say that's just a throwaway funny line, but it's also Geraldine not really trying to be noticed. And even when she's her role in the talent show is actually supposed to be backstage. She's brought out as part of the trick uh, unwittingly, but she was backstage at the talent show. So we see Monica or Geraldine trying to 
whatever role she's playing in this, she's trying to not be noticed. And I think that's probably because she's trying to gather information. But we uh, will come back to this scene. We will come back to this setting in a moment, but we'll take a quick break because they do in the show. They transition over to the neighborhood watch meeting. And I didn't see any big stuff there, although I thought it was funny when Vision is almost playing the superhero role. Like, how are you interfacing with local law enforcement? How are you doing your patrols? Are you worried about burglary? Are you worried about vandalism? Reckless driving, uh, Vision points out. And uh, of course, all these guys, they don't care. They're only there to eat raspberry or cheese Danish, and that's it. Um, And I I love the joke when they get to Vision doesn't uh, eat, but he will chew gum because he understands it's primarily for mastication. Herb, who may or may not be the high evolutionary, says, I don't do that. Um, And then, but the gum is Big Red, which was the production title for WandaVision. And uh, we, of course, see that Vision is... I love the little animated sequence with like the little happy piece of gum that is scared when it's about to go get stuck in the gears of Vision's stomach. Uh, Vision's stomach doesn't have gears, by the way. Um, It it feels like the kind of problem Vision could solve for himself um, because if he can change his density, he could easily get the gum out of there. And he knows that the gum, he should know the gum is a problem because, uh, because I mean, he knows he swallowed it and he didn't mean to, but at the same time, he doesn't immediately solve that problem because he's in front of all these guys and it would give away his powers. And I think even though we don't totally see the moment where vision makes this choice, I think when vision took on the sensation, the feeling of being drunk, he probably kind of liked it. And we find out that vision is a very happy drunk uh, when the works are all gummed up. Let's go back to a very twilight zoney type of scene here between Wanda and Dottie. Um, we're back at the committee meeting, but everybody is gone um, and Wanda is now, it's just one-on-one Wanda and Dottie. She gets to help Dottie clean up, which really means Wanda does all the cleaning up while Dottie just kind of sits there. And I really like how we go back to Wanda so desperately wants to get along with Dottie. She's even trying to copy Dottie like earlier before the, we cut to the neighborhood watch meeting. She's copying the way that Dottie places an ice cube in her drink and stirs her drink and all of that. And now Wanda wants to get along and Dottie just isn't having it. She says, I've heard things about you, you and your husband. Wanda says, I assure you, I don't mean anyone any harm. And Dottie just cuts right to it. I don't believe you. And the radio hasn't even gone off yet. We'll talk about that in a second. But just the tone of this scene, we talk about just sharp tonal transitions like we had at the dinner party in the first episode and now this one. It's all just the usual stuff of the sitcom fits in. And here's kind of the the queen of the neighborhood. And you got to get along with her because if you don't get along with her, you're not going to be allowed to get along with anyone. And so that's all very, very classic sitcom tropes. But the tone turns when it's not just Dottie is being Dottie. Dottie is being condescending. Dottie is being mean. It's Dottie is very, very suspicious of Wanda and probably because she feels threatened by Wanda. Like, I don't believe you when Wanda says she doesn't mean anyone any harm, that Dottie perceives Wanda as a threat, not as a threat to Dottie's social status in the neighborhood, but as like a physical threat. Um, And it's really important to see that because it shows that these characters, these characters have some history in this setting. Not all of them, not Geraldine, it would seem, but Agnes, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Hart, And now we see Dottie, like, they have history here. They've been here somehow. Uh, And we don't even know what here is. But Wanda, you know, showing up, Wanda and Vision showing up and being a threat to that. um, It's very, very interesting to see the way some of these other, uh, you know, pre-established residents of Westview are responding. Yeah, this was my favorite part because I feel like this is where it gets a little bit uh, Twin Peaksy for me. It kind of ups that ante because the characters are kind of inter- uh, interweaving uh, these characterizations. And uh, I really like when uh, Bev, uh, oh God, what's her name? I'm, I'm so, these names are always escaping me. Um, is it Dottie? Dottie is the, yeah, Dottie, excuse me. Uh, Dottie is kind of like, you know, being the classic, you know, sitcom person. But yet, she, again, great acting and great, I think, great directing from there as well that they, they're able to intertwine the, this different reality as well. And then when uh, 
one that cuts your hand it's red i mean i love that stuff that's the stuff that i again i was really you know clinging to and, and wanting from this series and and we get and we're getting it more in this episode and I really liked it and the fact that again there's we don't know exactly who's driving it. Are people there against their will? Are they there, you know, because what what exactly is going on? We just don't know. And I think that I love these these moments of 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 uh, th- these leaks, if you will, of, of these things where these characters are starting to come through this different reality and how it's affecting Wanda. And, and Wanda still has no idea what's going on. And I love that. And again, it's beautifully done in this in this uh, scene. Yeah, it is. And then we get the the radio, and we see, of course, Dottie reacts to this like, "Who is that? Who are you?" And we hear the voice, "Who's doing? You know, Wanda, do you read me? Who's doing this to you, Wanda?" And Wanda is just staring at, transfixed on this radio call that. Sounds like Jimmy Woo. I mean, I think it's going to be Randall yeah. Park's Jimmy Woo. I mean, it's staticky enough that maybe it will turn out to be somebody else. I think it's Jimmy Woo. But anyway, Dottie's reaction to that is almost as important as, well, not almost. It is as important to me as Wanda's because we see Wanda being freaked out about it, but the way Dottie reacts to it. And what that really means, I think what that, uh, the significance of that for these other characters is I think that it shows that Wanda really is something different. We don't know what this reality is, and it seems like other characters have history here. Do they really have history, or, or do they just think they have history? And if they have history, then it feels like it's this thing where Wanda's presence is creating a bridge to a reality that they have not been connected to either ever or have not been connected to for a very, very long time. Because without Wanda, they probably have no contact with the outside world. As far as they're concerned, there is no outside world. But now there kind of is, and that's not supposed to make sense. Wanda, her mere presence is causing a breakdown in the fabric of this reality. And Wanda doesn't like that because Wanda enjoys this reality. And so her reaction to it, but we go back to the dinner scene. There's a break in the sitcom reality that Wanda likes. And so Wanda's enjoying this. She's comfortable in this, or she's trying to be comfortable in this, and she wants to fit in. And now it's breaking down again. There's something in the way. There's a threat. And the threat is, there are two threats in this scene. There's Dottie, and there is the radio call. Well, she can't really do anything to the radio call. She can't do anything to the person who's on the other end of that radio, but she can do something to the radio and so it triggers this, you know, this energy surge where the radio goes. But then also um, it, Dottie ends up cutting her hand probably because like because of the reflex of everything that's going on. She squeezes the glasses in her hand so tight that it breaks. And then we see that she is bleeding. And this is important because this is showing us like Dottie having her hand cut here. It's similar to Mr. Hart choking that when somebody is intensely questioning Wanda, and causing a break in the reality and, and shifting the tone of this where, you know, shifting the mood, the atmosphere of this space that Wanda is trying to just enjoy living in, there is physical harm that comes their way. Not necessarily because Wanda means them harm, but when Wanda is feeling threatening and these events happen, whatever it is, energy surge, psychic break, whatever, you know, subconscious action, whatever it is. In the same way or in a similar way to Mr. Hart choking, Dottie cuts her hand. But then once somebody is harmed, it's like all of a sudden they they stop being suspicious. It's the kind of thing that should make someone even more suspicious. But somehow it's actually what causes them to reset and go back to normal. Is it because they feel intimidated and they just let it go? Or is it because... Somebody who has even more power here, whether that's Wanda having even more power than we've seen or somebody else who is setting up and and manipulating all of this is the one who kind of influences them, whether they're aware of it or not, just resetting them. Let's get back to it. Let's get back to this facade that we are creating uh, within this Westview, you know, sitcom hometown sort of space. So 
the way that whole thing unfolds and the way it ties into what happened in the dinner scene at the dinner party, I think is really, really great. And it's really interesting to see the way all of these things are being laid out in uh, are being laid out in front of us. The next thing that we get is the ad. Uh, like we did for the first episode, we will save the ad to the end for the end. I don't really know that this will be the way we always do it, but we'll just go ahead and we'll save the ad for the end. But uh, then we go to the talent show. Vision is drunk, talking about playing horses' shoes. And then, of course, we find out this is all for the children, for the children. The talent show I thought was great. And it's everything going wrong, and yet they have to find a way to work it out. Vision is so drunk that he's not trying to hide that he has very real powers. And so Wanda is the one having to create scenarios in which all of these things are practical and and how all of these things are being achieved. How is vision levitating? Oh, because there's a rope. How is he able to lift the piano? Because it's a cardboard cutout. Um, And you weren't supposed to see that with her little shoulder shimmy, which was really funny. Um, And so, uh, of course, poor Jones, who got fired in episode one, has now lost his piano that he was playing at the beginning of the talent show in episode two. Um, so yeah, Jones is in, in rough shape, but that was amazing by the way. <laughs> yeah. So I, I loved all of this stuff. Everything's just going wrong. And, uh, Wanda is just having to cover up for everything because vision is not hiding. He's getting in the way of their ability to fit in and Wanda is doing everything she can. And it's very similar to the dinner party. It's, it's just, or her having to make the, the home cooked meal. It's just, which is the the random series of, of various inconveniences that, that people experience in sitcoms, all these things that are, everything's going wrong. And yet we still have to find a way uh, to resolve all of this in the end. Um, and even vision, you know, passing the hat through his stomach, you know, Oh, how are we doing that? She reveals a mirror. And like my favorite line in that whole thing is like Bev asking, is that how mirrors work? And Dottie just saying, shut up, Bev. Uh, Cause Dottie at this point, who was very suspicious of Wanda is now just enjoying the show. Um, I, I loved all of this. This was so good. Yeah, that was, again, this is where I felt that the, the, the sitcom ideas were still driving the narrative a little bit more and was also very fun. And again, it, it was, it was more clever and like the way it was done. Um, I really liked Herb, uh, a lot. I thought he was a, yeah. I liked is his addition. Yeah. 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 I like that how was, he gives vision credit for getting his card right when it's the last card. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, it was my card. <laughs> yeah, you did your trick right or whatever. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, no like just him and I love them and, and they were eating in there uh, when he chewed the gum and yep. and they were talking. It was just, I don't know, that was a little bit better. I don't know. There, it, it came off a little better on this one and I did like the talent show yeah. and how Wanda was trying to prove everything was practical. That was a neat little touch. Yeah, I also, going back to the neighborhood watch meeting, just the... The neighborhood watch meeting is the men sharing the hot gossip with, you know, you heard that treehouse. That's a prefab job. How about yep. Arthur's bowling trophies being ones he bought at a garage sale? Like just it's funny stuff. But yeah, this whole thing was great. And then when they uh, for the fin- I like how vision, like I think at least twice in this sequence, when he's supposed to do his flourish as a magician, he says it out loud flourish. And then one is like, you're not you're just supposed to do it, not say it. Um but they bring out the cabinet of mysteries. It's the grand finale, except vision has started the whole sequence without Wanda getting in the box. So now they need something because everybody's chanting what's in the box and Wanda improvises and she's just transported Geraldine into, uh, into the box. And I thought what was really great about that is the, there's a great moment from Agnes because everybody applauds and everybody's happy. And Agnes looks around she she's applauding, but she's also looking around at everybody else's reaction. And she almost looks a little bit relieved like, oh, no, this was going to be the thing. If the crowd didn't buy this, then this was going to ruin everything. And, and so I'm going to talk about Agnes. I'll circle back to or not Agnes to Dottie in, in just a second. But I really liked her reaction to that. But I also mentioned uh, before Geraldine, I, I talked about how she asks a question and there's a little interaction that kind of sets up that she is seemingly there to investigate. Geraldine asks the question, how'd you do it? Because she was just standing backstage and now all of a sudden she said she's in like a dark cubby hole. 
how'd you do it? And Vision says, a magician never reveals his secret. And like, that's for his assistant. And then Wanda says, and she's not talking. And Geraldine just acknowledging by saying, I had a feeling you'd say that. It's just, it's cla- it's friendly. It's there. It's non-threatening. It's not really asking questions in any sort of uh, intimidating or threatening way like Dottie or Mr. Hart. It's just her saying, I just shrugging it off. I had a feeling you'd say that, but I think it reveals Geraldine or Monica being in here, knowing that she's investigating, knowing that she has questions, but also not expecting to get answers that whatever this situation that she's in is going to involve people who are going to be very guarded chief among them being Wanda. Yeah, um, I I think this is this. I loved the the bit with her being you know transfer you know, transported into the thing, and, and again the playfulness because you know she's again playing on the fact that she's investigating. You know she's a, you know a, a future Avenger. She's going to be an ally to them, and they and she plays it off well. And I really really liked how they've her introduction to the to the MCU has been very is obviously very different than most people's, and it just it's. I don't know. There's something about it that's it's very charming, and maybe it's because it's the time period, I guess. But um, yeah, it to me, it's setting up this whole different aspect of what exactly is going on, and I really, it's, I don't know. The this whole bit was great. I, I again, this episode for me as a whole was so much better than the previous one, and maybe it's because I'm used to it at that point. But I definitely liked the aesthetic way more going forward um, and through all this and and the new characters now that we've gotten uh, and seeing where they all land. It's going to be really, really interesting. Yeah, well, this is a better episode than episode one, even as somebody who really liked episode one. Right. Episode two is better, but that's what you want it to be. You want it to get better as it goes along. And I think the reason it gets better is you get more of the balance in this episode is there's. The sitcom stuff, but then there's the, hey, something else is going on here. And this episode leans a lot more into something else is going on here. And so, uh, and that progression will continue without spoiling anything in episode three. And presumably it will continue throughout the series. And that that just enriches the show to be going along this this trajectory. But I I said I would uh, circle back to Dottie. Because as Wanda and Vision try to sneak away, Dottie actually spots them and calls them onto the stage and awards them with a victory for the inaugural comedy performance of the year. And then, of course, Dottie again says, for the children, and gets the crowd to chant once again, for the children. And so I mentioned earlier in the episode how maybe Dottie's Dottie's significance was inflated by Agnes to distract Wanda, but... Maybe that's not it, because I'm actually, the more I've thought about this, and the more I've looked at that final sequence in the talent show, not the final scene of the episode, but the end of the talent show, Dottie awarding them the victory, and then doing the last, leading the last four of the children chant, it almost seems like the blessing. I've said this is some sort of witchcraft ritual sort of thing that seems to be going on here, Mm. and so maybe Dottie... Maybe Agnes isn't the only witch who's been around a while in this. And maybe Dottie is as well. And so Dottie has to give the blessing to, you know, these children uh, being conceived or whatever it is that's going on here, because it is when Wanda and Vision get home that we find out that Wanda's pregnant. But it's after one last for the children. Wanda and Vision do the same thing for the children, followed by the chant, And then Wanda says, and the children need some popcorn. And she stands up and she's pregnant and already showing. And then she says, uh, is this really happening? And something gets in the way of the idea that uh, this is really happening. But it is key, though, that I think it's key that Dottie awards them a victory for a thing that didn't exist. But she that is Dottie's approval. Dottie, the key to everything, gives the approval um, by validating Wanda and Vision they go home for the children. She's pregnant. Is this really happening? And something interrupts that. Another loud noise. They go outside to investigate. They see somebody coming out of the sewer, coming out of a manhole cover. It's this dude in a beekeeper outfit and bees buzzing around him. On the back of that outfit is a sword logo. And the big moment of the episode, 
is that Wanda looks at him and just says no. So here's this guy showing up and he is, he's interfering with this. He is breaking this reality that Wanda loves so much that Wanda feels so comfortable in and Wanda wants this to be real. She fits in. She has what she wants. She has what she perceives, what she has constructed in her mind is this ideal life, this ideal love story for her and vision and having a family and fitting in and getting along with all the neighbors and all of that stuff. It's finally happening and she wants it to be real. And just the presence of this guy. And I don't know that this guy himself is significant or he just, it's only significant that he works for sword and he's shown up here, but either way, he represents the idea that all of this is false, that all of this is a lie, that what Wanda loves and is enjoying so much and feeling so comfortable in, that this is not real, and she just rejects it. No, you don't get to tell me just by your mere presence that this isn't real. I want this to be real, and therefore it is. So she says no, and we, we rewind back to exactly that moment of that question. Is this really happening? And this time... There is no interruption. There is no loud noise. It's Wanda and Vision just enjoying this magical moment between the two of them. They kiss, and we see that Wanda, or now Vision, his head is turning into color, and now the entire set is turning into, is now in like glorious technicolor, just being washed all over this set as we were going to transition to presumably a different time period, as we know we're going to be going through the decades uh, on this show. Um, but as they they kiss to end the episode, the closing credits, we hear that radio voice again, probably Jimmy Woo. Wanda, who's doing this to you, Wanda? And then we uh, we fade into our credits. Such a great way to end this episode. And you talked about in the first episode, kind of cutting to the chase a little bit. And while this doesn't reveal all, this reveals something very significant because I think it's more blatant and more obvious to where it's it's an inarguable point now. It, we don't have a complete understanding of it, but Wanda has a lot of control here. Does that mean yes. she's in control? Not necessarily. Does that mean she's the one creating this? Not necessarily. She might be, but it might also be a circumstance where somebody else is creating it, but she has the ability to manipulate it. Either way, whether Wanda has made this reality or somebody else has made it and, and maybe trapped her in this, she doesn't mind. She likes it. Regardless yeah. of who made this reality, she has a lot of control here. And this is where she wants to be. And when something gets in the way of that, she just flat out rejects it and rewinds back to make it as if it never, ever happened. And that is a key thing to show Wanda's emotional state and how she feels about this current setting that she and that she and Vision are in. Yeah, this was this to me was my favorite part of the series so far. That ending was just phenomenal. When the guy comes out, and you're like, "What the heck?" And she says, "No," and then it ends on that. That is really fascinating, and I just again I get Twin Peak vibes from the series, and I really like that. And again, I, I say Twin Peaks lightly; it's not a heavy influence or anything, but it's as much as Twin Peaks as and the MCU is allowed to get at this point. And I think that. There's this really surrealness and weirdness going on. And I love the fact that the reason why I use Twin Peaks a lot is because it's so it's so odd and off and things aren't always what they seem. And there's a surrealness to it. And it's all kind of there. And I love that. And I think the ending of this episode just emphasizes that even more. And I love that aspect of it. So this is like my favorite part of the of the series so far. I think it's a phenomenal uh beat. And I love the just the fact she's like no. And it, it gives you, you get an idea of Wanda, whether or not she's in control or not, is accepted this reality and wants this reality to stay. And that is key to the character. And it also it stays true to what I think her character is like in the comic books, which I really appreciate. So I love this uh the ending of this episode. Yeah, I really thought it was great. And the delivery by Elizabeth Olsen of just no. It was yeah. similar to her delivery of Vision help him, but just with a little more emphasis because this is a bigger threat to the reality. Like this is somebody clearly from outside of it. Um, there's not a guy with, and because she recognizes the logo on the back of his uniform from the helicopter, like she gets it now. People are trying to get in here. People are trying to tear down this place that I love so much, this idealized life that I'm having with vision here in Westview, 
people are trying to take this from me, and I'm just going to say no. Um, it, it's not some big, dramatic scream, or and it's not like she tries to fight the guy and kill the guy, whatever, just no. And then rewind back as if it never happened, and carry on forward. Um, I, I thought that was just, that was done so, so well. It was brilliant. A, a great, great ending to the episode. But before we wrap up here, uh, I do want to talk about the ad in this episode. And uh, of course, this ad was not as impactful as it's not quite as emotional because it doesn't point to a specific moment in the same way that the Starkmate uh, 2000 toaster ad did in episode one. But when we talk about these ads representing the trauma that Wanda is trying to forget, forget the past, this is your future, Strucker is a part of that. Strucker, Baron Von Strucker is the one who experimented on Wanda that either created or more likely we'll find out in this show, we think, unlocked her powers. So that was not necessarily, I don't think those experiments, even though Wanda had powers as a result of it, I don't think that experience was pleasant for Wanda. I mean, we know that we we heard about it. Everybody else died except the twins. So these experiments were probably painful, uh, of course, emotional, being kidnapped, being taken, being imprisoned for these uh, these experiments. So Strucker is representing another traumatic event or series of traumatic events for Wanda that's bleeding into this. And we see the same two people. We see the same couple that we saw in the toaster ad. So that's you know, our... Why is it the same people? It could easily just be a random collection of people for each ad, but it's not. It's the same people so far. So that's pointing to these people having emotional significance for Wanda. And maybe that's maybe that's her parents. Maybe it's somebody else. Not sure. We'll find out, presumably. But uh, And we also get the Hydra logo. And some people have landed on this of thinking that means Hydra is behind this. Sword isn't Hydra, and Hydra isn't Sword. So with Sword being here, doing whatever they're doing in this series, I don't think Hydra is in play here. I think Hydra is there because Hydra represents trauma for Wanda in the same way that Stark Industries represents trauma for Wanda. That's why I think Hydra is here. Um, that's why, and, and also, Strucker was a member of Hydra. So if you're talking about Strucker, uh, Strucker and you're showing a Hydra logo on the watch, that already makes all the sense that Hydra needs to make in here. It doesn't necessarily need to point to Hydra having a larger presence in this. I think the MCU has moved on from S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hydra, and now we kind of have probably... I don't think S.W.O.R.D. is Hydra, and I don't really think that S.W.O.R.D. is... Because uh, S.W.O.R.D., in the, in the comic book, S.W.O.R.D. is more akin to S.H.I.E.L.D., than it is uh, than it is Hydra. So if Sword is the new something, I think it's more likely to be the new Shield than it is the new Hydra. And I think that Sword is actually going to be a force for good, at least as close to good as Shield was capable of being. Because it seems like Darcy Lewis works for Sword. Seems like uh, Jimmy Woo, played by Randall Park, is either working for Sword or with Sword. Don't know if his official job is with Sword or still with the FBI, but. I, I don't think Sword has ill intent here, even though, you know, the beekeeper guy is very ominous and, and looks very dark and very threatening. He is very threatening to Wanda simply because he breaks the reality that she that she wants to be a part of and that she wants to remain in this situation. So uh, anyway, I, I don't really that's an overly long way of saying that I, I don't really think Hydra is going to be an ongoing part of this story. I think this is just a reference to the trauma of Wanda's past that she is trying to forget and just deny and, and move on from in Westview. Yeah. No. And also, I, I don't think, I think sword is a very appropriate name because it's not, it's no longer a shield protecting. It's now on the offensive. Yeah. That's why they're in space. So I think that that to me is kind of an interesting aspect that they'll probably explain that we're no longer shield now because we're destroyed. It has more of a reason to have sword in the first place. Right. Yeah. Well, I think so. we see, we do see, and I know there's been like promotional art that has made that sword maybe stands for something different. I'll leave that for the show because I don't know if that's going to be spoiler or not, but uh, I'll leave that for the series to reveal. But sword has more of a, a role on Earth, it would seem, in this series than they normally do where they're more, more exclusively in space. But in the MCU, that makes sense because we don't have shield anymore. So if you're going to yeah. have, you don't need sword 
in Marvel Comics to be on Earth because you have S.H.I.E.L.D. on Earth and you still have S.H.I.E.L.D. on Earth, so S.W.O.R.D. can just be in space. With S.H.I.E.L.D. no longer existing on Earth, that's where S.W.O.R.D. can cover Earth as well as cover space, potentially. We'll see how the role of S.W.O.R.D. evolves in uh, in the MCU, but I like this ad. It didn't have quite the significance. It didn't pack the punch that the uh, Toastmate 2000 did, but this just cements that idea for me that, yes, because we go from Stark. So our, our very first ad with Stark Industries is the first traumatic event that we were told about for Wanda. Her origin story, as Pietro uh, explained it in Age of Ultron, the next one we get is the next traumatic event that we know about. Now, there are probably other traumatic events that predated the Stark missile and things that maybe happened in between the Stark missile and being experimented on by, structure, uh, by Strucker, but the ones we know about were the Stark missile followed by being experimented on by Strucker. So that's kind of the order that we're going in here, tracking this history of trauma uh, for Wanda. And it also points to why she wants to cling to this so badly. Why is she just saying no? Why is she rejecting something, anything that threatens her existence, her life in Westview? It's because her life outside of Westview has been full of pain that she is just trying to forget and move on from. So there's a lot of fun to be had in this series. I mean, like, but that's why I think this is so brilliant. This is such a great job by Matt Shackman as a director, uh, Jack Schaefer as the head writer, and everybody in the writer's room. That's part of what makes this so good to me and so rich, I, I think, as a viewer to explore and examine and talk about here and to watch and then talk about here is that there's so many things happening at once that this is light and fun and, and comfortable in the way and feels like home in the way that Wanda wants to be at home in Westview. It's all of those things. And yet it's also deep and dark and emotional and wicked and sinister. So many things happening all at once. So many powerful emotions all coming into play at the same time. Uh, it's just so, so good. Loving this series so far. And, and, and I, being one week ahead of everybody, just for now, um, it, it continues to get even better than this. Yeah, I this episode cemented the fact that I really enjoy the series and I can't wait to see the mystery as it unravels because I really have no clue what's going to happen. I have my assumptions, but I'm I'm really excited because I have no idea how it's going to unravel. And I'm really excited that, that the MCU is giving me a hardcore Marvel fan like I am something different, not not knowing what to expect. Yeah, no, it's it's really great. So you might be wondering, are they going to talk about Chris Evans coming back as Steve Rogers slash Captain America. We are, but because our main show is kind of booked up with spoiler reviews these days, uh, we have these handy little things called Patreon credit scenes where we get to talk about additional topics. And so that's what we're going to do. The Patreon credit scene for this episode of MCU, of MCU Fan Show will focus on the news that Chris Evans may or may not be coming back as Steve Rogers in the MCU and you can access Patreon credit scenes through our Patreon, patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, S-E-A-N-G-E-R-B-E-R, where we have those scenes uh, or those exclusive podcasts and plenty of other exclusive podcasts that are available there, but not anywhere else. And also a Patreon exclusive Discord community on which every Saturday at 4 p.m. Pacific time, I am hosting WandaVision watch parties, which I affectionately call Watchavision. So that's available through our Patreon. So for more information on all that we have to offer, please visit patreon.com slash Sean Gerber and then continue to follow us in the places that you can or start following us if you're not already in those places you can on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are at MCU Fan Show. Paul, where can everybody find you? You can find me at Herman22 at two ends, a.k.a. P-Thug. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. Sean Gerber. So for Paul, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. 